0: Listener Production. Please leave your message after the tone. Why am I jealous of my ex? I am so stressed all the time. How do I get into a routine? Is TikTok making me anxious? I think I'm being manipulated. Someone told me you could live with half a brain. This is Do You Fucking Mind? Mindset Hacks for a Badass Life. Hosted by me, Alexis Fernandez. All right, welcome my beautiful beans. Welcome to the episode of today. So the episode of today is how to turn desperation into attraction. And what I mean by that is, you know how sometimes when you want something so desperately, and this could be a person, a friendship group, a situation to happen in your life, a job, money, it could be with anything, right? When you want something so desperately, it feels like it gets further and further away. I'm going to explain why that is the case and what the problem is surrounding that. I'm going to explain how to identify when this is happening to you and how to like pull it apart and look at what's working for you and what's not working for you. And then I'm going to explain what to do instead to start to shift the dynamic around. So the things that you want actually are easier to access instead of you getting in your own way and cock-blocking yourself towards getting those things. And a lot of these things can actually, yes, it's true that there's a lot of things in your life that are not directly in your control, like how another person makes their choices and how they behave, but a lot of your behaviour is heavily influenced by how you perceive the other thing. So you will actually start to behave differently and based on your behaviour and your actions, you can start to bring things easier into your life versus push them away or block them all together. So I'm going to be addressing that and how you perceive things and all of that shit. Okay. Uh life update not much, but this weekend we've got our girl's Christmas party. Is this not the earliest Christmas party you've ever heard of? But I was talking to my producer Elise, and she was like, "Well, it's, you know, it's in the 11th month." So technically it's okay. Like I think anything anything After November is apparently okay. I would like to think that it should be in December to be considered Christmas, but apparently it's fine. So given that, does that mean that I should just put up my Christmas tree? I have a Christmas tree and it's like those 30-centimeter instant trees. You just whip it out of the drawer and stuff it on the table and it's done. So maybe I'll pull that one out. Uh, Anyway, so it's our girls' Christmas party and this is like the annual Christmas party with all the girls that I worked at Red Bull with. There's like 11 of us. And we do something every single year. And it's like a full-on plan. And we try and like outdo the year before. So, And we sometimes do it in Queensland. Sometimes it's in Sydney. This year's in Sydney. And I'm pumped. I'm actually pumped. So stay tuned on how that goes. I'll give you an update. Anyway, that's my life update. Now we're going to talk about a brain fact. And then we'll go into the topic of today's episode. So the brain fact, I'm just going to be talking about local anesthetic and how that works on your body. So. Local anesthetic is obviously something to numb certain parts of the body and not go under a general anesthetic where you're getting knocked out. So that's obviously the difference between local and general. Interestingly enough, cocaine was one of the first local anesthetics ever discovered. Love that fun fact. It is Local anesthetics are reversible, of course, and causes a loss of pain. And sometimes the same anesthetic will also cause a loss of movement as well, but not always. So different it depends on how they're operating and on, on what they're targeting. Uh, and, of course, it only numbs the targeted area. It does not produce a loss of consciousness. Now, due to the structure of local anesthetics, they can pass through the neuron membrane and be able to bind to specific receptors at the opening of these gates or these ion channels that allow an influx of things in and out of the cell. And this binding kind of closes off that channel to prevent the influx to prevent sodium ions entering the neuron. And then because you're not allowing this influx of sodium ions to enter these specific neurons in this specific targeted area, it's it prevents... The sending of the signal, it prevents the action potential because you're not getting the influx, you're not getting any activity or action potential. So given that there's no action potential, the signal isn't being sent and there is a loss of sensation. The brain's not interpreting the sensation because the signal never gets to the brain or to the the higher regions of the brain um, for the duration that that channel is blocked. Some can go for a couple of hours, some less than that. But that's basically kind of the process of the theory behind a local anesthetics. Now, most local anesthetics will end with the suffix cane, C A I N E. So, tetracaine, procaine, lidocaine, mepivacaine. That's kind of what it's going to end with. And we've got two types of local anesthetics um, esters and amides, and they both operate by blocking sodium channels. Um, so, basically, the brain can no longer like perceived pain. And the, the brain receives pain signals via free nerve endings. So these are first order neurons. First order neurons are neurons that begin in the periphery of the body. Let's say, for example, your fingertips. And then they synapse, they connect with a second order neuron. So first order neuron um, is fingertip to spine spinal cord for example second order neuron will be your spinal cord going up to a certain location in the brain um and then that can that might go directly to the brain sometimes you'll get a third order neuron that might take it to the cortex or to yet another region of the brain but at least you've got the two here so these pain signals can be through thermal heat it could be chemical it could be like a, a histamine thing or mechanical. So that's something like getting slapped. So that's kind of what a what a pain signal can be, and on the skin, for example. And these events, this like mechanical, thermal, chemical, will trigger these the channels on the membrane of that initial first order neuron. Um, to open up, allowing sodium and other positive ions in, and that does something called depolarizes the cell, and it sets off this reaction down the axon, and then that then synapses onto the next cell, and then it takes it up to the brain. And basically, when you inject the local area, you're targeting those first-order neurons or the area around the first-order neurons. So that opening of the, the channels, allowing the positive ions to flow in and flowing down the axon, that's not happening. So you're not getting it. It's not arriving to the second order neuron in the spinal cord and going up to the brain. They're very safe. There's generally no side effects. It can be administered subcutaneously, which is under the skin, intradermally, which is like in between dermal layers, or as a nerve block. So if you heard my brain fact about like um, what's it called, epidurals and, and that kind of pain suppressant, that's a nerve block, anything near a major nerve as well. Or it could be topical, which is like a cream. There's a whole bunch of different ones. Um, to avoid spreading the, if, if, if you're injecting it in, into the bloodstream, to avoid spreading the, the local anesthetic really far and wide throughout the body because you're injecting it into the bloodstream, um, there's normally, or, or like you're not injecting it into the bloodstream, but it can be absorbed into the bloodstream. You'll normally administer it with, a vasoconstrictor and that restricts excessive blood flow such as like epinephrine, which is an adrenaline and that it's like an adrenaline. It is an adrenaline and that's where it stops it from spreading out fast. Once it reaches the neuron, it enters the cell and the medication binds to these channels and then you get the effects and then obviously you want to keep it as local as possible, hence the vasoconstrictor, hence the like excessive blood flow throughout the body. The most commonly used one is lidocaine uh, and that has like an intermediate duration. So, you know, it doesn't last too long. You can also, of course, top it up. If you're starting to get some sensation back, you can top it up. So if you've ever been at the dentist and you're fucking dying, you're starting to feel the pain again, they can just, you know, give you another little dose, top it up, and then you're all good again. Like I said, it's it's very, very, in general, very safe. Um, yeah, there's very limited side effects You could get respiratory depression in extremely large amounts, but that's really unlikely because the people that are administering a local anaesthetic really know what they're doing. So cool. That is your local anaesthetic brain fact for the day. Now let's talk about the actual topic of the episode, which is how to turn desperation into attraction and Start getting what you want in life. So the problem, let's identify the problem. The problem is that you know what you want, but you feel like the more you want it, the further away it gets. The more roadblocks that pop up, the more disinterested this person becomes in you, the more of a challenge it is to get that thing, the more far away it seems. It's like the more I want it, I just really want this thing and then it just gets further and further away. This could be for people, jobs, situations, friendships, experiences, all sorts of things. So we're going to be talking about how do you change from feeling that you're always like behind the ball to having things just coming your way without so much intense effort. Like how do you go from feeling like you're fighting for crumbs of what it is that you want, to having these things kind of relatively easily enter your life, okay? It's not to say there's no effort involved, but it's a different kind of effort. So instead of this trying, 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 fighting, pushing, it's more like I'm working hard, but it's flowing my way as well. So it's kind of like we're both meeting in the middle here, whether it's a thing or a person. So before I get into it, I do want to express a personal opinion of mine. And I've heard this in a few, when you hear a lot of like, motivational speakers and nothing against motivational speakers. I love a lot of them. But when you hear a lot of these things, sometimes you'll hear people say something along the lines of the reason you haven't been able to achieve success or money is because you're afraid of success. You're afraid of money. And once you release that block, it's all going to, who is afraid of money? You're not afraid of money. That is bullshit. You are afraid of, like, it's this idea that you're afraid of the life that you want to have because you're used to th- that's i i don't buy that at all okay what's actually happening instead i feel like i just feel that that's like way too simplistic explanation and it doesn't give you a legitimate insight into what it actually is that you are feeling you're not afraid of money you're not afraid of success i believe it comes down to this fear that if you don't get that thing You will be very dissatisfied with your life. And the problem with that feeling is that because you feel that way. You then make the stakes so high. The stakes are so high that if you have the opportunity for that thing, oh my God, I've got to have it because if I don't have it, then I'm not going to be happy with my life. And then then because of that, the stakes are high, the stress is high that you stumble and then you don't want to stumble. So you wait until you're a bit better and then you wait until perfection and then you wait until perfection. So it's not that you don't want success or that you're scared of success or that you're scared of money. It's that you're scared to take the jump because if it fails, you're not going to know what to do because you think your life is just not going to be ever enjoyable again. That's what I think it comes down to. It's a fear of not nailing it and therefore you're holding back. You're not fucking scared of money. And if you are, throw it my way. Okay. So we're going to identify the block. So basically you have to ask yourself, what am I worried to experience? So if this thing doesn't work for me, what am I scared to experience? Let's talk about a crush, someone that you're really into, you want to talk to that person, a promotion that you want to have, a friendship group that you want to be involved in, and you ask yourself, I really want to be a part of this thing. I want to be a part of that person's life. I want to be a part of this company. I want to be a part of that. And I'm finding it really difficult to to have that thing. So if you're thinking, I am so worried about not getting that thing, then when you approach that person, are you going to be cool, calm, collected, and relaxed? Or are you going to be like, hey, hi, um, hey, uh, ha, 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 here's my number, like fucking panicking because being like, if I don't get this thing, my life is going to be what? Am I going to feel rejected? Am I going to feel abandoned? Am I going to feel not good enough? What am I going to feel if I don't get that thing? And that's what you're avoiding. You're avoiding that feeling. And that is what gets in your way of things happening for you. So you get, you choke basically. So ask yourself, What feeling am I avoiding? Am I worried about feeling that I'm not good enough? Am I worried about being like found out and I'm just an imposter and I'm not actually good at that thing? Am I worried that someone's going to reject me? Am I worried of getting embarrassed? What am I avoiding? What feeling am I scared about? Okay. Now let's talk about a bunch of like different solutions to work through and like things to think about when it feels like you're pushing something further away in your life. Okay. The first thing is identify why do I want this thing? You have to understand why you want it because it's going to give you an insight into what feeling it is that you're looking for. So if someone says, why do you want that career? Do you want the money that comes with the career? Do you want to just be involved in this industry no matter in what way? I just need to be involved in the industry because I love it so much. Do you want the stability Do you want to feel like you have like consistency in your life? Do you want to work with certain people? What feeling do you want? Understand the feeling. Once you identify the feeling, the same as the person. So a lot of people might think, especially when it comes to unrequited love, where you are really into someone and they don't like you back. Sometimes you think, well, they're the only one that I could ever love. Like I'm so into them. I'm so into them. But say, okay, what what about this person do I like so much? And you start picking things. I like that they're attentive. I like that they're, you know really warm. I like that. They're ambitious, whatever. You start labeling all these things and then you start to realize this feeling or those traits that I like in that person or that I like in that job, they exist in many other areas. And a lot of those traits I can bring to the table as well. I can possess. I can, there's a lot of things. So, Don't get so caught up on thinking that this thing is the be all end all. Because if you say to yourself, this thing is the be all end all, you push it further away. You hold resistance to it because you're scared of it not working for you. And then you're not performing at your optimum level when you are engaging with these people or whatever. You're not flowing, you're not natural, it's just not happening for you, okay? When you overthink, when you hesitate, you're going to cock block yourself, you're going to get in the way. So you're not going with your instinct. You're not feeling comfortable about it. I think we've all been in a position where we have to talk to a crush and we're like, I'm so much funnier when I'm around my friends. Why can't I be that funny person around this crush? Why can't they see me in my best light? Because I fucking cock block myself. I get in the way. Instead of me being flowing, natural and whatever, I end up acting like A mute because I can't, I don't know what to say. And then this person's like lovely to me, and then they walk off and they're completely underwhelmed with their interaction with me because I've just ruined it for myself. And that just comes down to you're so afraid to make mistakes that you don't know how to act natural and just be yourself. If you were then to interact with someone that you're like, you know. I see you on my level, you're a legend, but I'm also a legend and we're all good. You're likely going to have like a lot more of the natural side if you come out and you're going to feel like you are deserving of that space and that time. And as is that person, if you put someone on a pedestal, you're going to feel lucky to have their time, lucky to have their attention. And that's when you panic and that's when you act like a fool. Okay. So overthinking, hesitating, you're doing all of that. So if you identify what is it that I like about this person, what is it that I want, then you start thinking, okay, it's actually this feeling that I'm looking for. It's actually this this um, trait in a person. And then you start finding examples of where you can get that in so many other areas. I want you to broaden your horizon and make you realise that that thing that you're going for in this specific moment is not the only time you can ever experience that thing. Once you take it off the pedestal and start to think, these things are available for me in more areas than just this. If this thing doesn't work out, I could go here, I could go here, I could try that, I could try this again, I could do that. You're trying to bring the stakes down. You're trying to talk yourself off that cliff and realise this is not the be-all, end-all. I've identified I've identified what feeling I'm going for and realised that that feeling exists in many other areas. So therefore, if this thing doesn't work out for me, That's just one door that's shut. It's not, I'm not going to be satisfied with my life. It's that door has closed. Let's try this other one here. Okay. Very, very, very different reaction to something not working out. And when you think, oh, if that doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world. You're more likely to be relaxed when you go into it because you're like, I've got, I've got options. Okay. If this, I'd love this to work, but if it doesn't, I'm not going to die. Never. The next thing is never be in a position where you feel there is so much to lose. Okay. And I feel like if you put all your eggs in one basket in the sense of all your happiness is sitting in the future, then you're going to feel like you've got a lot to lose. You're going to feel like there's a lot at stake and a lot to lose. So I really, I find like a really good way of turning that around is look at how you enjoy things in the present moment. If you're somebody that struggles to enjoy things in the present moment, then this whole cock blocking yourself from things happening is probably going to be a lot lot more prevalent in your life, right? Because if you feel that your happiness will come when these things happen for you, then you're going to feel a lot more desperation in having that thing work out for you. If you feel, I get my happiness from my life as it is, and that thing would be really nice to have, then you're less desperate. You're less you know, and, and that, when I talk about desperate, I'm talking about that intense energy of like, I can't lose you. So I have to have you. So, so I've got to, and then you're like really jarring. Okay. If you feel, I get a lot of happiness from these relationships. I get a lot of happiness from my routine, my dog, how I talk to myself, my everyday life, the walks I go on. I've got a really well-rounded life. I'd love to get more, but if that thing failed, I my happiness is here. Okay, not tomorrow, not next year, not when I finish that degree, not there, not... Rah, rah, rah. Because when you get to that place, you're always in the same mindset. If you, if you think my happiness is there, you get there and you're like, my happiness is there. Is that and then you're chasing happiness until the day you die. And you're never going to actually get there. So you have to turn it around and say, what parts of my life now can I realize I'm, I'm creating happiness for myself or finding happiness in these moments? Okay, if you can't fi- find moments where you're truly fulfilled in your life then I can guarantee you it's not going to be in that future moment that you think is going to equal happiness. You have to create it now. And ironically, that's what then makes you feel less resistant to something happening or not happening for you. So I personally, so last year I went through this like professional drama and it really like knocked me down i really really got upset about it and i was very stressed i was very upset and i was really hoping that this like worst case scenario wouldn't happen and then lo and behold the worst case scenario did happen and i was sitting there thinking it was just going to be so bad if it happened and i wouldn't be happy and i would just like be miserable basically and then the worst case scenario happened And it sucked and I suffered, but it made me realise that not all was lost, no way near was all lost. I still had... My health. I had my family. I had the amazing group of people around me. I had, like, there was so much still in my life. There's so many areas in my life that make me who I am and contribute to my overall happiness and mental health. And while my career, I value it so highly, it is not the be all end all. And you can't make one facet of your life the determining factor of your happiness. And that made me realize that when things went badly for my career, when the podcast was down, when all that shit happened, I thought that it would just knock me over completely. And while it made me very upset and while I was very stressed, it was a it was a bit of a wake up moment for me and it was really a teachable moment for me because I realized that even in the depths of my despair in one facet of my life, I was able to feel so grateful for all these other facets and that made me become a better problem solver. Because I had so much to still be happy for, I was able to be like, right, that fucking sucks balls, but how can I regroup? How can I reframe? I've got all this good shit going for me. It's not all this Let's. And you you end up becoming much more proactive in your approach to other things. You start thinking, what if I did this? Could it, Could this work? What if I tried this? And a lot of things still fail. A lot of alternatives that I was trying to come up with were just not going to work, didn't work, roadblock, roadblock, roadblock. But I found that when I focused on what makes me happy now, I was able to keep a very level head in comparison to when I thought that all my eggs were in this one basket. And if this thing doesn't work, I'm fucked. And if it does work, it equals happiness. Okay. So you have to even everything out and make sure that your happiness is about finding, you know, the joy in what exists currently and everything else that's happening would be a lovely addition, but it's not what's going to make or break you. Because if you if you th- say this is going to make or break me, that's when the stakes become too high, and then you have that desperate energy. Now, anything that involves controlling another person's actions is something you don't want to be putting too much of your focus on. So that's never going to work for you. You can never successfully control someone else's free will. Okay. You might say, oh, but that person controlled me, whatever, and this and that. There's going to be situations where you are under duress or you're in an abusive relationship, but that's not your free will. You're under, a, a, under some sort of a pressure. But non-toxic people can never, le- can never successfully control someone's free will, okay? If you attempt to control someone, it's not going to go well for you. You can only work with what you have, you know, with that dynamic with that person and what is within your control okay? And the influence that you have on someone's idea of you, there's only so much you can do. There's only so much you can get someone to think of you. You could be the nicest person and someone could think you're annoying. You could be the funniest person and someone's like, I don't fucking get their humor. They're rude. You could be, it doesn't matter. You can't, you can't get someone to view you the way you want them to view you. So sometimes you're going to find that in In trying to get someone to see you in a certain way, you're trying too hard, you're putting away too much effort. And the best analogy is how you behave around someone that you really want to like you back. So it's normally a crush. That's a a really good analogy. Or someone who you want to impress. Sometimes you're really, really nervous. You want to impress someone that you want to get a job from, or you want to impress your in-laws. And then you end up just like, just not being who you are. And that, that comes down to the fact that you're trying to control someone's response or you're trying to control how someone views you and you can't do it. So you have to always remind yourself that placing your focus here is going to be a really big waste of your time and it's probably going to push people further away because it's actually getting further away from who you are. And it's a really sure way of getting yourself to feel insecure about yourself and and getting yourself to doubt yourself. The more you try and change how someone perceives you or change you know the dynamic of a situation you're basically saying who i am as myself is not good enough and that's like a uh, like a that's like a great way to to just like segue into s- doubting yourself and feeling shit about yourself and insecurities if you want someone to fall in love with you romantically or not change your focus okay change your focus to how can i And it's really ironic. How can I respect myself more? How can I really like aspects about myself? And it's often less is more. You don't have to be like, oh, look at this good thing about me. It's just less is more. You're you're just focusing on how can I feel good about myself? And then in turn, people who like me will be drawn. People who don't are not going to bother. Okay. So that I look at that as a really good way. I found that the times that I've been really loving myself sick really enjoying who I am, not focusing on how to, you know, get people to like me. That's when people start to really reach out and like you back. You know, those people, it's like, why is it that when I'm single, you know, no one's ever contacting me in the moment I'm in a relationship, everyone's flooding into my DMs, probably because you just chilled and you're relaxed and you're happy and you've got a different vibe. You've got a different energy. It's not necessarily because people are like, oh my God, you're dating. Let's try and fuck that up. It's not that. It's you give off probably a more relaxed energy. Not everyone, but a lot of people would. So it's this idea of how can I have that level of relaxed energy all the time? And it comes down to how I'm perceiving myself. But I can tell you, the more you try and get people to like you by altering and editing your behavior and the way you talk and the way you respond, the more you're saying to yourself, who I am right now, as I behave naturally, is just not good enough. And then that is then going to make you doubt yourself. And then when you doubt yourself, you doubt your abilities, you doubt what you're going to say next, and then you're just not your natural self where it's flowing and where everything's working. It kind of feels like clunky. Another thing to remind yourself always, it is a numbers game. Everything you do in your life is a numbers game. The more you do, the luckier you get. So try your best not to fixate so heavily on one thing happening, because that is that reeks of desperation and that reeks of you like waiting and holding and waiting for that thing to happen. Set multiple things in motion and keep working on other aspects of your life. You've got to create the minimal resistance by enjoying other areas of your life and finding fun in other things. It's, it's, you know, you're, you're here, you're there, you're here, you're, you're constantly exploring different things. You know, it makes you feel a lot lighter when you're doing that, because it's not like this looming thing of I've put all my eggs in this one basket. You start to put everything into perspective. If you only focus on one thing, that one thing takes over your entire life. If if you're like, yep, I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about that. Everything comes into perspective. It's like, you know, when you're having an argument with someone and it feels like the world's about to end and you're so infuriated and you're like, oh my fucking God. And then you step away from it and it's like, oh my God, I can't believe I got so worked up about someone like pulling out in front of me when I'm driving it's really not a big deal it's all perspective so sometimes you just need to remove yourself put your attention somewhere else put your energy somewhere else and then you realize okay if this thing works great I'm going to bring it in if it doesn't it and that's just what works and and the funny thing is that the more you're engaging in all these different things the more people are becoming aware of you noticing you seeing the work that you're doing reaching out to you wanting to work with you that's how it happens if you're just sitting there grounded fixating that's a sure way of kind of having this like desperate energy and then you're not going to be bringing in new experiences, relationships, connections, all of that stuff. The next thing is energy flows where attention goes. So if you're focusing on not having something or the fear of something not working out your way, that's where your energy is going to be. Okay. So it's going to be really difficult for you to feel creative and to feel like you're in this kind of flow state if you're thinking, I can't not have this work out for me. So then you're going to be really reactive and not proactive. If you're thinking about... There's this option, and then there's that, and there's that. There's there's abundance, abundance, abundance. There's all these uh, uh, possibilities, all these possibilities. Call it law of attraction. Call it what you want. If you're focusing on the fact that there's possibilities around you all the time, you're in this growth mindset of thinking. It's not about this end goal and achieving this thing. It's about this constant journey of learning and growing, learning and growing. This will work. This might not. K- keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. You're not thinking this is the be all, end all, and that's the, a closed door, and if I don't get it, I'm fucked. There's the difference between fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Okay. So always remember, if you're focusing on the lack of that thing, distract, distract. Because if you are saying, well, how do I, how do I, okay, I really want this career. I'm not going to change my career. Fine. But let's say you want a certain job. Okay. Firstly, they're likely, maybe not, but there are likely is several opportunities for that role, maybe in different companies, maybe in different, you know, ways, or if it's just that one role, there might be several opportunities for you to get that one role, maybe, you know, couple of years apart or whatever. So when you look at something, you've always got to say to yourself, am I focusing on not getting this thing and panicking? Or am I focusing on getting this or something similar or something better? Okay. Because when you think of this, something similar, something better, it becomes a lot easier for you to be really proactive and think, how can I bring this opportunity? How can I bring that? How can I learn more? How can I, whatever. The next thing is less is more less is fucking more when it comes to wanting something and feeling like you have to prove yourself and feeling like you have to prove that you're good enough and and you know you've got to look at how am i behaving in front of this person how am i behaving towards wanting this thing how am i behaving towards wanting more money towards wanting whatever if all your energy and your attention is on that thing it's going to consume your life, and you're going to feel like shit. When I, when something doesn't go well for me in my business, I'll st- if I fixate on it and I think about it and I think about it and I think about it, I can't think of any solutions because I've just gotten into a hole thinking about oh my god, this is really bad, and if it gets worse, what am I going to do? And I literally, I can anyone can psych themselves into feeling like something's a disaster. And what I mean by less is more is you think, all right, I'm already noticing that I'm starting to spiral. I need to do something completely different. I'm going to clean my house. I'm going to take the dog for a walk. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to whatever, pay some bills. I'm going to do something that's completely different and then realize that when I do that, when I pull away, when I don't give all my energy into that one thing, solutions start to come about. I start to feel a lot better about that thing. I'm not so heavily, you know, it's not my whole life. That's going into this thing. And then the last thing that I want to say is to learn how to distract yourself when necessary. Okay. So you need to learn how to neutralize your thoughts. If you really want something, but you're noticing that your energy is desperate and you still want that same thing with less desperate energy, you have to find a way to lower the resistance that you've got going on. And the resistance is that desperate energy if I have to have it and I'm scared of not having it. That's what I mean about resistance. So you want to do something that's going to calm your nerves and make you feel relaxed, but also something that's not going to deplete your dopamine. So being on social media and shit like that doesn't count. So reading a book is great, playing a board game, playing solitaire, listening to an audiobook, something that's going to neutralize your emotions. Okay? So if you go from like having to have this, having to have that thing, you then want to find a find something that's going to be so neutral that's not going to trigger any intense emotions neutralize, neutralize, neutralize. And the best way to do that is to distract yourself with something that's not going to trigger an array of emotions. That's another reason why social media is not the best idea to distract yourself because you don't want crazy emotions. So you want to think of what's going to take my mind or something in a really neutral way. Okay. Meditating works for some people, but it doesn't work for others because some people who who just start off meditating like I'm alone with my thoughts, I'm alone with my thoughts. So maybe try just taking five deep breaths just to calm your nervous system down and then move on to like I'm going to, you know, read a few pages of this book, I'm going to play some solitaire. I find like playing like doing puzzles is great. It's a great way of active meditation in the sense that you're taking your mind of things because you're heavily focused on something that's not, you know, spiking all these crazy emotions or maybe playing a guitar or trying to like – you know, crack a code or something like that. They're really good ways of neutralizing your emotions. So if you are trying to reframe how you feel about a crush, how you feel about a job, how to whatever, every time you think about it, if you're feeling good about it, if you're feeling confident about it, stay in that zone. The moment you start panicking and fearing, switch. Okay. Switch to distraction. Because you trying to go from a bad feeling thought to a good feeling thought is really difficult. If you're in this ditch of like, but if I don't get it, but I really want it now, I'm being desperate. And Alexis said, don't be desperate. So now you're trying to change it, but you're in this hole. Distract. Distract, neutralize, neutralize, neutralize. And then when you're feeling calm and neutral, Then your logic kicks in again, and you're like, all right, now it's actually doable. It's actually fine. I'm actually relaxed. It's only when your logic goes out the window, when you're highly emotional, that these spiraling thoughts kind of kick in. And it's really hard to go from spiraling to feeling really positive about something. So instead, you distract, you calm, and then you're good. All right. So that is my advice towards um how to turn desperation into attraction when you feel good about yourself when you feel calm about yourself when when you really love the skin that you're in and when you are able to find happiness in your current life situation, then you stop having this desperate energy towards those things and those people that you want in your life. And then people and things start knocking on your door. They see that you're doing the work on yourself. They see that you're really, you know, focused on what you're doing. You're happy. You're proactive. You're creative. Who doesn't want to be around that? Okay. So when you like everything that I talk about, when you focus on your own self, your own growth, Your own happiness, other things fall into place and they just begin to click. Okay. So that's the episode of today. We do have a listener question before I wrap it up. So, you have one unheard message. Listener question. Hello. I broke up with my boyfriend about two months ago now. As a girl from his work sent me screenshots of him swiping up to her stories with bikinis on. She also showed me other screenshots of him constantly heart reacting to her stories. I obviously know my worth and I don't like how other girls can grab his attention that easily. Obviously without meaning Obviously, without meaning to, I always have the mindset of if someone else can take him from me, then I don't want him. He was very shocked and was spiraling for two weeks after I broke it off. And when he dropped my belongings off, he started crying to me. I'm such a softie. And as soon as he left, I said to my mom, what have I done? As I regretted letting him go since he was showing remorse towards the, towards the end of the situation. My mom told me to stick to my guns because she said that I don't know how beautiful I truly am and that I deserve better. As time went on, I found out that he was doing it to multiple girls, including his brother's girlfriend's sister. Sorry, that was a mouthful. (laughs) I even found out from his cousin that he tried hitting up his cousin's ex-girlfriend once they split up about a year ago. This truly made me sick and I think he actually has some issues, not just immature, but issues. His brother is very much the same and it makes me wonder if it's because they're mama's boys and never do anything wrong in their mom's eyes. Their mum would be the type to say to them, oh, well, she wasn't the one, meaning in other words, it's okay to treat women like that. It's only been two weeks since we've gone no contact because we were obviously going through all the emotions and I really didn't know how to say goodbye. I wanted to give him another chance, but I think this was only because I never wanted anyone else to have him. He said to me that he's the one that ruined this for us and that he was immature and still is and that I deserve a lot better than him. It's nice knowing that he knows I deserve better, but I'm really struggling as I was madly in love with him and found out already he has hinge and tender. Last weekend, he tried to request me on Instagram and I kind of find that immature of him after the things, after things didn't end well. And he's, he was clearly hitting up other girls. I declined because why would I accept it since he doesn't need to see my photos or any stories I put up. Boys like him will never truly understand how shit like this destroys a girl. I just need advice because I feel not good enough and constantly thinking about who he would be hitting on right now since he seems to be obsessed with the chase. Okay, I feel like... The only advice I can give you is around what you can do moving forward because you know what you're doing. You've done all the right things. You literally have done everything I would advise you to do as far as the breakup. You, There's no changing him because it seems like this is a pattern of behavior. Any changing has to come from him. And now that he's single, it's obviously not going to change because everything that he was doing with you can now be done more so because he's got the freedom to do so. He's not in a monogamous relationship. So... He is obviously not, at least in the near future, intending on changing his behavior, which equals not a good match for you because you're not interested in having him if he's doing behaviors like that. And it's easy to come up with the excuse in your head that someone has issues, but what is issues? Like, that's just someone's choice to behave that way. That is an adult, I'm presuming you're adults, that is an adult Making a decision around their behavior, call that issues, call that whatever you want. But when 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 people address other people as having issues, it implies that there's there's no control in it, and oh, they're a victim to their problems, they're a victim to their issues. Don't don't be so. I, I would I would put the responsibility in his hands a little bit more, okay? Because a parent saying to a child. Oh my God, no one, you know, you can do no wrong, you can do no wrong. Okay, yeah, you're setting them up to be entitled for sure. But would you consider that issues? Like, at what point does the responsibility lie with the parents and does it lie with the individual? Because at what, at some point, adults have to be like, all right, I'm done with how my parents have raised me. I have to take responsibility for this. And in this person's scenario, he has to take responsibility. You're basically saying that purely because his mom, you know, babied them and they were like mama's boys. It means that he doesn't know what cheating is. Bullshit. You still know right from wrong. You still know what it is. If he didn't think it was wrong, he would have done it right in front of your face. But he didn't. He hid it because he knew it was wrong. So there's a fucking he not he was doing it behind your back because there was no respect. So you have to look at him for what he is. The way he behaved was a choice and he chose to do that to you. And you're better than that. And you walked away. He's come crawling back because he wants an ego boost. He wants to feel validated. You're not validating him. Rightly so. He's going to get over it. You will get over it. But to feel basically right now you're saying to yourself, oh, I feel bad for, you know, saying goodbye to this guy that actively disrespected me. Okay. And he's a good actor. And I'm telling you right now, he's a good liar. It's not real remorse. It's I'm sorry you found out, not I'm sorry that I did that, okay? So I'm sorry. he can. I'm not interested. He can walk away. He can fuck off. I'm glad you didn't accept him onto Instagram. You absolutely do not need to. I don't think there's anything wrong with exes being friends, but if you feel that you were disrespected by him and you have no interest in a friendship, then what is the point? I agree with you completely. So I feel what you need to do is just – continue doing what you're doing but just focusing more on doing things that are going to make you feel good and you experience enjoyment and the more things you start doing you start to create more of a gap between you know you when you're in a relationship with him and then further forward it's all it's also just been 2 weeks Give yourself time to heal because you have to experience the grieving of the relationship. You also were surprised because you found out information about him that you didn't know about. So you're grieving a version of him that doesn't actually exist. You've got to grieve that. Uh, And then you've got to grieve the relationship. So give yourself time. Two weeks is nothing. Give yourself a bit of time and then start doing things that are really going to be enriching your life. Experiences, things with your friends, things that are going to, like new memories are one of the best things to put in between you and your last relationship. The more new memories and adventures and fun shit you can put between you and the relationship, you start filling up a bank of new experiences and new feelings and you start like rebuilding yourself and who you are. Hopefully that helped and that gave you a bit of advice as well. Guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I love you so much. Shout out to my beans in Argentina. I just had some. My dad's Argentinian. I had some beans on the Facebook group saying that they're from Argentina. Then there was some from Mexico and some. We've got all these like Hispanic beans. So my um, bean in Spanish is poroto. So hello, my beautiful porotos. Love you so much. Um, that is all. As always, remember, be kind to yourself. Be kind to your brain. Don't take shit from anyone. And especially don't take shit from yourself. Duncan. Listener